Welcome to UpToDate Talk. This week's edition features neurologist Dr. Jose Biller discussing an extended time window for use of mechanical thrombectomy in patients with acute ischemic stroke. I'm Dr. April Eichler, a neurologist and senior deputy editor at UpToDate. We hope these weekly podcasts with our expert faculty are an enjoyable and informative way to help you keep pace with key medical literature. Dr. Jose Biller is Professor of Neurology and Neurosurgery and Chairman of the Department of Neurology at Loyola University Stritch School of Medicine in Chicago, where he also directs the Stroke Program and the Vascular Neurology Fellowship. He serves as our Section Editor for Stroke Neurology at UpToDate. Our discussion will be based on two recent clinical trials published in the New England Journal of Medicine, entitled Thrombectomy 6 to 24 Hours After Stroke with a Mismatch Between Deficit and Infarct by Dr. Noguera and colleagues, and Thrombectomy for Stroke at 6 to 16 Hours with Selection by Perfusion Imaging by Dr. Albers and colleagues. These trials have prompted an important change in the management of selected patients with acute stroke, and I'm delighted to have you with us today, Dr. Biller, to discuss them. Thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. So stroke is obviously a very common and important cause of disability and mortality in adults, particularly older adults. For the purpose of this discussion today, we'll be honing in on a subset of patients with some of the most serious and devastating types of strokes. We'll be talking about therapies for patients specifically with proximal anterior circulation ischemic strokes. What do we mean by this? We basically refer to occlusions of the intracranial internal carotid artery and the stem of the middle cerebral artery, or both. Okay, and middle cerebral artery we often refer to as MCA stroke. What does an MCA stroke look like when when patients are presenting with it? When the stem of the middle cerebral artery is occluded, there is usually a large infarction with contralateral hemiplegia, conjugate eye deviation, towards the side of the infarction, hemianesthesia or lack of sensation in the contralateral half of the body, and homonymous hemianopia, that is visual field cut on the contralateral field of vision. In cases where the dominant hemisphere is affected, there is global aphasia, and in case of non-dominant hemispheric lesions, there is hemineglect. Okay, and most of these large strokes are caused by one of two mechanisms, either embolism from something like atrial fibrillation or large artery atherosclerotic disease. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, and these strokes are considered a medical emergency in large part because there are specific interventions that can be delivered only when you catch patients in a certain window of time since the onset of symptoms. Walk us through these categories of treatment um, and, and which patients broadly are eligible for them. So basically, when the symptoms indicate the possibility of an acute stroke, the three main categories is within or less than four and a half hours from symptom onset, four and a half to 24 hours, or beyond to 24 hours. When a patient has an acute stroke that is ischemic in the therapeutic window of less than four and a half hours, the treatment is with intravenous alteplase if the patient is eligible. And subsequently, these patients are evaluated 
with pertinent imaging studies like computer tomography and geography or magnetic resonance angiography to determine whether or not there is an occlusion of a large vessel of the proximal anterior circulation. If the patients are seen beyond four and a half hours within 24 hours, there is no indication for IVTPA. The assessment should be made as to whether or not there is a large artery occlusion of the anterior circulation. And whenever you see a patient beyond 24 hours, the approach is the standard evaluation and care for acute stroke. Okay, so when a patient initially presents with a severe stroke, the first test you get in most cases is a non-contrast head CT. That, along with clinical factors, is going to determine their eligibility for intravenous thrombolytics. And then you're subsequently getting vascular imaging, either CT angiography or CTA, or MR angiography, MRA, to determine whether they have one of these anterior circulation proximal occlusions that we're talking about today, correct? That is absolutely correct. Okay. And so can you just describe briefly what we uh, knew about mechanical thrombectomy leading up to these trials? What led to the approval and the use of it in that first zero to to six-hour window? So the early treatment mechanical thrombectomy trials that included five major studies Mr. Clean, Escape, Swift Prime, Extend IA, and Revascat. The meta-analysis demonstrated that the numbers needed to treat for one additional person to achieve functional independence, that is measured by the modified ranking score 0 to 2 at 90 days, was for the mechanical thrombectomy group 46% versus 27% for the non-mechanical thrombectomy group. That implies that the numbers needed to treat for the early treatment mechanical thrombectomy trials varied from 3 to 7.5. Keep in mind that these large artery occlusion strokes are devastating with a high morbidity and mortality. And those studies led to the subsequent studies, the mechanical thrombectomy later treatment trials that analyze patients in the window 6 to 24 hours. And those trials we'll be referring to as the DON trial and the DIFFUSE 3 trial, both designed to answer whether the window of eligibility for thrombectomy of a distal internal carotid or proximal MCA occlusion can be extended beyond six hours up to 24 and still reap benefits from reperfusion without an increase in the risk of hemorrhage and other toxicities, correct? And that is correct. So in the DON trial, where patients were last known well 6 to 24 hours earlier, the criteria for inclusion require a mismatch of clinical code according to age, and they were analyzed into three distinct categories, older than 80 years with an NIH stroke score greater than 10, and a core volume less than 21 milliliters, and then two subgroups younger than 80 years of age. The first one of those, the NIHSS was greater than 10, but the core volume had to be less than 31 mLs, 
And the last one, patients were younger than 80, the NIHSS was greater than 20, and the core volume was less than 51 ml. Okay, so although the the criteria were slightly different between the two trials, the concept is that we're looking to select patients who have severe symptoms, and yet what we're seeing on advanced imaging potentially underestimates their severity of deficits. That is to say, they have a lot more territory at risk. Sure, that is correct. And what were the key results of the DON trial? In that particular trial, the numbers needed to treat was three because the analysis showed that a modified ranking score of 0 to 2 at 90 days was 49% in the mechanical thrombectomy and 13% in the non-mechanical thrombectomy group, respectively. In the diffuse 3 trial, 45% of the mechanical thrombectomy patients achieved an MRS of 0 to 2 compared to 17% in the non-mechanical thrombectomy group meaning that the numbers needed to treat was 3.6. But just to give you an idea, in the DON trial, the median NIHSS score was 17 at baseline, and it was 16 in the diffuse 3 trial. And a score in that range, in the sort of 15 to 20 range for listeners that aren't um, as familiar with the NHSS scale, what does that look like in terms of the severity of deficits? Well, these are unquestionable. They are large strokes. Keep in mind that these patients had M1 segment occlusion or intracranial and or cervical carotid artery occlusion, like in the case of the FUSE 3 there is always a bias in the quantification of the NIHSS in favor of left hemispheric damage, uh, but these are unquestionably large strokes prone to swell, brain edema, and the development of what is known as malignant cerebral edema or malignant MCA strokes. And to be clear, mechanical thrombectomy is an endovascular procedure performed in the interventional suite with a device designed to break up and remove arterial clot and restore blood flow? That is correct. The goal is to achieve reperfusion. Uh, That is the primary goal, the urgent goal, and obviously achieve functional independence. Now, were there any major safety concerns or signals that arose from either one of these two trials that um, is important to be aware of? Actually, no. There were no safety concerns at all. As a matter of fact, it's important to realize that both trials stopped early. Uh, That is true for all clinical trials on mechanical thrombectomy except for Mr. Clean. It's important to emphasize that also about half of the patients in the DON trial and in the diffuse 3 trial were wake-up strokes. Okay, and what is the significance of wake-up strokes in this context? Well, obviously, one of the main limitations from prior studies, both for intravenous alteplase and mechanical thrombectomy, the early studies, 
was when patients had noted a neurologic deficit upon awakening because it was always difficult to evaluate properly the onset of symptoms. Just to give an idea, if a patient goes to bed at 11 p.m. and wakes up at 7 a.m. with a neurologic deficit, uh, the clinicians do not know whether or not the deficit occurred five minutes upon going to bed or five minutes before arising. So these studies not only open the window, extend the window for carefully selected patients, but also include a subgroup of patients, uh, the wake-up strokes that were in need of proper treatment. So these are major advances in the management of acute ischemic stroke due to large artery occlusion of the proximal anterior circulation. Now, um, those patients that are getting intravenous TPA can get that therapy at many hospitals when they present. Patients just need a, a head CT and history to confirm eligibility. The ones that are getting mechanical thrombectomy are obviously um, requiring a higher level or tertiary care. What kind of things are available to help triage patients to the right facility to have access to this kind of therapy? So this will be at the higher level of stroke centers that will be capable to perform these type of interventions. Okay. And there are resources out there, things like Telestroke and others to, to try to extend the expertise of specialized stroke centers into the, the community. That is correct. That uh, telestroke can extend that availability of expertise to rural areas or other areas in metropolitan regions that will allow the primary centers to administer intravenous alteplase when patients are eligible and decide whether or not if they have the capabilities locally to determine whether or not there is a large artery occlusion by CTA or MRA. In that way, you avoid transferring patients that would not qualify otherwise. And in cases that availability of CTA or MRA is not available, those patients should be transferred to these higher level centers in order to properly evaluate for the possibility of an anterior circulation large artery occlusion. Okay, super. And listeners who are interested in more details on the specific clinical and imaging criteria used in these trials can visit uptodate.com and our topics on reperfusion therapies for acute ischemic stroke. Yeah, it's important to emphasize, if I may, that the same concept that apply for intravenous alteplase, that time is brain, the same is true, time is brain for these endovascular interventions. So we have to keep that in mind. Okay. Thanks so much, Dr. Biller. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. We appreciate your feedback. Please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.